1: Welcome to the Basketball Addicts Podcast. And we're going to start it off completely different now. You know, we're trying something new out. Yes. We're going to open with a quote. I'm not going to talk about how you can hear from outside the finals. You know what I mean? Because we're, we're in the off season. So we're going to start this off with a little quote that's going to really introduce what we're going to talk about today. far as the main topic, you know, just for those who are listening and who want to know beforehand, is how to build a winning NBA team, right? Yes. So here's the quote. The whole secret of a successful life is to find out what is one's destiny to do and then do it. And I think that's a perfect quote to really intro into our topic because we're talking about those teams, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, that have been successful, who, who have really found what they really are great at and have yeah. really dug their nails into it and True. have – been able to create success, success in terms of an NBA championship, but then you can also can apply that to your personal life and to our personal life as well. You know what I mean? We find out what we're really great at. We go to school for that. We dig our nails into it, and then we create a successful life, whatever that may look like to each and every one of us, because success is different
0: depending on the individual. Everybody's definition of what that is, is really relative to the person.
1: It's definitely relative. So... Is there anything that you want to say, Jay, before we just jump right into this? Or No, I think that's in? a
0: good intro, man. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about this topic. It's going to be a really fun, thoughtful podcast, and we're going to, you know, allow you guys to just open up your ears and listen to some new ideas and try to see if you guys disagree, agree, whatever. It's cool. It happens.
1: Yeah, it happens. Okay, so for me, right, how okay. I think that you build a, success, a winning NBA team, I think that it's... Deeper than a 12 man roster. Okay. I feel like like the winning team, how to build one starts in the front office. Yeah. I feel like placing the right people in the right places when you can have a GM like Jerry West, you know what I mean? Someone who has been to the mountaintop who has seen the championship rings, who has multiple of them, you know what I mean, who understands what it takes to have a winning team. I think it having somebody like that in place or having a great scout, somebody who really understands basketball and understands that in this day and age, some things are more important than the others, and that's why you have to build a team around certain players. And then I get to the players part now. So I think that when you come and look at the franchise aspect of it, Picking the right franchise player has a very important role in whether your team succeeds or not. Yeah. And I understand that basketball is a team game for sure, without a doubt. But that yeah. franchise player makes all of the difference.
0: True.
1: There are some players in NBA history that have been put in franchises. You know what I mean? That are great players, but just weren't that players. But wasn't the right fit for the team. And then the yeah. team, based off the front office, wasn't able to build the right team around that player. So I feel like once you find your franchise, I feel like there should be steps to, to, building, a, to building a winning championship team, right? Yeah. So for, in my opinion, I feel that the first thing that you do is you find the franchise, right? You find your LeBron. You find your Giannis. You find your Embiid. You find your KD. You find your Russ. You find your Harden. You find your Kawhi. You find your PG. You find you find your Dame. You find your Devin Booker. You find those caliber of players. And then you look, you, you analyze that player, right? In terms yeah. of LeBron, you understand that he passes first. So he requires spacing. So you have to put shooters around him in order for that team to succeed. Yes. You understand that Giannis... Can dominate in the paint as well, but he also needs space. He's a LeBron-esque player, except for that he he, his mid range is okay right now. It's kind of coming into itself, but he can't really space the floor, so he needs people who can space the floor and also who can defend. Because when he's off the court, that defensive prowess is gone. And then you you don't have people who you know you need somebody who can pass the ball as well, and you need shooters later on. You understand that. You understand when you have a player like Buck that he's a score first guy. He's looking to get a bucket. He's looking to drop somebody on a butt. Yeah. And dunk on a hit, like, you know, or, a, or a drop yeah. down a, or, or knock down a three. He's looking for that type of, of play. So you have to understand that, hey, I can't put the ball in Book's hands and tell him, pass the ball. He can't do that. His mind doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. I believe that there's a different wiring to some players yeah. mentally, right? I feel like when you're a scorer, your brain's wired a different way. When you're a passer, your brain's wired a different way. Couldn't because it more. takes a different. It takes a different level of thinking, depending on what you're great at. Yes. So when you're a scorer, going back to our quote, now he's a successful scorer. So he dug his nail into scoring, and that was his destiny. Now he's ex- now he lives a successful life as a scorer. Yeah. You can you know, you have to have those kind of players. So you have to understand. I think understanding what you have as a per- what you have on your team, understanding mm-hmm. your personnel, is very paramount. To building that MB- that winning NBA championship yes.
0: team. Yes. Agreed. I'm back to
1: Booker before, my- before I lose my train of thought. I- I'm almost okay. done. I'm-, I'm about to land.
0: <laughs> okay. um,
1: back to Booker before I lose my train of thought. So, like, having a player like that, you have to understand that you need a point guard like a Rondo. Like a CP3. Yeah. Or, you know, a pass first kind of point guard who really sees the floor in a different way. Yeah. Because I scores score in my opinion you know what i mean i feel like the vision is narrow
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. you just see the
1: basket and, and the person in front of you yes but i believe when you have a point guard a true point guard who who can see the floor in a different way that's why the floor generals and they see the floor that's what when you say see the floor they have a wider vision mm-hmm. they see everything there's nothing that can happen on the floor that they don't see take for example lebron lebron's not a pure point guard. It's not his normal position, but I would consider him a point guard because the way yeah. he sees the floor, he sees the floor like a point guard. There's nothing that he that happens on the court when he's on the floor that he didn't already recognize. Being able to manipulate those matchups, that's very important, especially when you're building the NBA championship team. This goes back to knowing what you have in the franchise player to be able to go forward and build the team that needs to be built currently
0: in order for that team to succeed in the future. Yes. I'm done. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I definitely feel like you hit some on, on some good points there when it comes to theoretical building. And, you know, it's really important for a star, for a GM to truly understand who they are and subsequently build the role players around them that are... Good at that player's weaknesses, right? You know what mm. I mean. It's why LeBron's never really been paired with a passing point guard like CP3, other than people like ESPN say, "Oh, it'd be so cool." Like, no, they wouldn't work together. They one of them would wouldn't have work. to sacrifice greatly to be on the floor. of The other one, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's about fit. It's about fit, and the players that do different things than the star, and the play, and it, that's extremely important. And if you truly don't understand how winning is actually done in the equation to it, then it'll show by who you put around him role players. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll, a lot of it takes a lot of things to go right to build a championship team. The first thing is, you know, the first thing, you know, I've read a lot of coaching books, read Phil Jackson's book, read Steve Kerr's. Uh, book that was written about him. I've read m- one of Coach K's books. I'm re- reading one of Jay Williams' book, The Villanova Head Coach, and um, I also read the Georgetown's Head Coach book, and I bring that up in Nick Nurse's book. And I bring that up because the first thing they all talk about is culture, right? It's extremely hmm. important to have the first thing before. Everything else is to have a, a defined culture... Uh, through the management team, through the GM, through the coaches, through the assistant coaches, all the way down to the medical staff and the ball boys. And they all have to understand what their culture is and who they want to strive to be as people, what kind of uh, basketball players are we, how do we play. Culture really matters. And Mm. everybody needs to be in one understanding of it and everybody has to execute it and it's very rare for an nba team to pull that off it's easier in college because head coaches kind of rule everything and head coaches are people that are kind of like their parents you know what i mean like they're still trying to grow them into adults but when you get in the nba you got high level guys with children 35 36 Adults, adults, right? They already understand who they are as mm-hmm. human beings. They don't need any more parent guidance, really. You know what I mean? Like, they're defined in who they are. They got more egos because they're making more money. Like, it's tougher in the NBA. But it still is important to have a culture and an understanding of what's right and wrong. And it has to be very smart and well thought out. Um, you'd be amazed at the advanced levels of thought and understanding that NBA head coaches put into trying to build a good culture. Um, you know... Phil Jackson re- researched Native Americans a lot and thought that their, like, way of living was really applicable to his teams and, like, leadership, and that's, like, what he used with the Bulls. And, you know, yeah. Nick Nurse, for example, has, like, three times a year where he can blow up and everything because he, th- he believes that with adults you can't really get mad of them as much as you could in college. So, like, there is definitely defined culture that has to be agreed upon on everybody, yeah, because... If you don't have good culture and you don't have an understanding of the way everybody can act within an NBA locker room, then you'll never, even with great talent, you won't be able to win because you won't be able to get those guys to play at their best. They'll be playing at 80% because they're fighting with somebody else because you didn't instill a good enough culture, right? Um, A good example of that, even though Jordan Poole and Draymond Green did hit each other, the Warriors have a phenomenal culture. right? That's undeniable. LeBron James is a culture genius, right? Think about the mm-hmm. Detroit Pistons, how together they were in the 90s. Great culture. The Boston Celtics, the Lakers in the 80s. Culture really matters. Um, you know, that's important to building a team, understanding that you'd be amazed at like how intricate, high-level coaches really understand and think about that type of stuff. And that's the first step. And then, yeah, it's building around your star, right? You know what I mean? Like, if you have Jokic, you're going to want to put scores around him. You don't want to put another great passer. You know what I mean? But if you're going to build around Jokic, you're going to need diff- defense, right? Aaron Gordon, yeah. KCP, Bruce Brown as examples. You know what I mean? And there are multiple factors that lead to championships and needed at the NBA level to be championship team. One of them is a shot creator. Every NBA championship team needs to hit a certain level of shot creation to win a ring. You need to have mm-hmm. a certain level of defense. You need to have a certain level of passing. You need to have a certain level of rebounding and role players doing the roles and three-point shooting, right? Yeah. And it takes a balanced team to hits all those marks. And it takes a GM and a head coach that are inter- intertwined and in understanding, okay, this is what our star is. We have to build around him. And that's how winning teams are done, right? Like... Think about the winning teams in the past years. I mean, the Miami Heat had passing from Jimmy Butler and Gabe Vincent, for example, and they had defense from Bam, Jimmy, Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, everybody defense, right? They all try and rebounds. You got the shot creation from Jimmy and Gabe Vincent and Bam Adebayo and uh Gabe, uh, not Gabe, Kayla Martin, and you got the three point shooting, Duncan Robinson, Max Struess, and. Uh, Gabe, Vincent, and Caleb Martin because you needed that three-point shooting, especially because Jimmy Butler's weakness is three-point shooting. For him to have that spacing mm-hmm. that he needs, they desperately needed that. And that's those two teams are really good examples of this. And you can look at teams over the past 20 years, they all do at least enough of everything, right? They may have one thing that's ex- exceptional. Like the Detroit Pistons, they were expensive exceptional defense, but they still had Bill and who could space and shoot. They still had the shot yeah. creators from Joe Dumars and Isaiah Thomas. They still had Isaiah Thomas passing the ball like he does. Right? And they still had the three-point shooting from Mark Aguirre and Joe Dumars to give Isaiah Thomas his space in, Right? Even with a mm-hmm. great individual strength, you still need to check off the rest of the boxes. And that's what wins cha- championships. It It comes from Understanding that everybody has to be connected. It's rare. It is extremely rare. Um, You know what I mean? And it's tough. It's really tough for an NBA head coach to not have a good front office. A good example of that, a situation that's rare that worked out, is Tom Thibodeau in New York. Think about how long that GM and their president didn't really develop a good culture. Because anybody that treats Charles Oakley the way that they treated Charles Oakley is not a good culture, right? Right. And and because of that and the, their history of doing that, it's extremely impressive what they've been doing. But lately, they found a GM that works, and they found a head coach that works, and those two are in lockstep right now, it looks like, especially by the free agency signings uh, that they had this mm-hmm. year. So, you know what I mean? And even with the Cavs, think about how long those Cavs teams without LeBron James suck. Think about how long, even before LeBron James, the Cavs sucked. Dan Gilbert may not be like this world class president, but he also didn't have great GM and head coaches. But boom, they get J.B. Becker staff and they get a new GM. They have a belief in the culture, right? They got one trade, and now we're here with a four or five seed in the East, right? It -hmm. can change overnight in the NBA because talent in the NBA is so great. So if you're able to get a good head coach that understands how to put have winning basketball while also getting these grown men to play together you know what i mean you can get great things and you know it's it's another reason why the spurs haven't moved away from pop and rc buford for so forever rc buford I'm pretty certain is the gm's name that's been there for him with him forever and you know it's it's important it's really important to hit every component of winning that's what i think chris what are you thinking Oh, man. I, you,
1: you made some great points as well. So uh, first thing I want to touch on is the culture aspect, right? We've been known to see certain teams and be like, wow, they have a great culture. But what does it mean to have a great culture, right? It means to have an understanding. You know what I mean? A, a, a complete and utter understanding of from the coach to the, the 12th player on the team. They all understand exactly yes. what their role is on the team. And that's something that we see so much of. In teams like the Miami Heat, they yes. have a great culture. Yes. Now, is it a winning culture? That's the question now. So now we have. So you know that the Miami Heat have a great culture. We know that the way that Spoelstra coaches and the way that he, uh, you know, challenges Jimmy, Jimmy challenges the team. Everybody has an understanding of who they are and where they fit in perfectly in yeah. the piece of the puzzle for the giant Miami Heat to be successful. Just like the Golden State Warriors, they have a Great culture have had a great culture since J- Steve Kerr took over. When now that now it doesn't matter where you pu- where you place players now, they they could trade a player, put another player right there, and it's like yeah. nothing ever changed. That's ridiculous. This just the way that they have a- they've been able to cultivate the culture of okay, look, we are we've been champions before. We know how to win. We know what we know what Steph is. We know what Clay is. We know what Draymond is. We know that they're the nucleus. They're the whole thing that holds us thing together. We know that we have to continue to treat them right so that the players will end up developing under them and they can just slide in. And you can you can take any player in the league. Crazy, right? Any player in the league. Yeah. And take one player out from the Go State Warriors, any role player and take another role player and slip them right back in. And it's like nothing changed. Everybody just moves so well, well oiled. Yeah. So when you think about culture, the way to describe the culture that the Golden State Warriors have, I would say that they have a culture similar to what the Spurs have. Right. And when I think of the Spurs I think of in terms of like the way that Pop was coaching and was able to develop such a passing clinic you know what I mean from that from that one yes. Spurs I think it was like the 2013 Spurs team. 2000. yeah
0: 2011 I yeah, think it
1: was 2011 Spurs team I think it yeah. was yeah just crazy the way they were able to develop that I think that's Gosh. exactly what Golden State has cuz it doesn't matter like it was a sub boom we came back in the ball, the ball moves so like 18 times before we yeah. didn't get the right shot like it just it's no it's no limit, and the, the culture is just so perfectly t- conducent to winning.
0: Yeah.
1: When you have stuff like that, when you know that, hey, listen, we're not going out partying tonight. Think about it in terms of Kobe. Kobe was a big culture guy. We're not going out partying tonight. I'm getting the gym, and I expect you to do the same because I'm going to outperform you, and I want you to, to perform like, you know, I want you to play at your best because I'm going to play at my best. Yeah. How many times do we hear stories about Kobe like, Four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning, right after the the game ended and he's still in the gym and they got a game tomorrow. Big culture guy, big guy faced being focused on winning at all times. When you have a guy like that and a guy who can lead by example, that's what you want. You know, culture is not just the coach. It's not just the players. It's having certain people who are placed within that organization who are willing to lead by example and also have good examples.
0: Yeah. And also, they you know, I mean, also are good go examples. Ahead. I have a, sorry, I ahead. have a quick point to make about that Lakers team though. When you think about that culture? Kobe is not the kind of guy though that's going to be like buddy buddy. And think about Mm-mm. that one guy that most people forget that was there forever, Derek uh Derek Fisher, right? Derek Fisher, a really important guy because he's so contradictory to Kobe. Because point guards, in a general sense, historically speaking, all generally become leaders. Because when you're a point guard, you got to think about how do I get others involved into the game? And so they usually have a heightened sense of seeing the way other people feel and seeing their best version of themselves and how to get them to be better. And are like people people, right? Like people persons. Mm, yeah. Like a funny story, quick uh, sidebar, is as soon as CP3 got drafted to the Charlotte Hornets, He took J.R. Smith out into, like, a family cruise. Like, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like, point guards are leaders and, like, emotionally and verbally leaders. And, like, a team type of guys that want to get all the team to gel. And that probably Mm -hmm. was a weakness of Kobe because, right, guys that are scorers are usually more, like, artist types. That lonely artist type where they may look great. You might see them, they're like, oh, they look so good. They're so great at what they do. But they're usually specialists that aren't as great at, you know, getting everybody else involved, right? And that's just mm-hmm. not the way their brain's wired. So having a guy like Derek Fisher there for so for so long probably was an extremely important part of those championships teams to give the Lakers teams uh, 1 through 12 uh, the gel and the glue that they needed.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Now, <clears throat> perfect points there. Look at teams like Minnesota, for example. New York, before they were able to, to, you know, get understand Thibs. Minnesota's like the best example there of a bad culture.
0: Not understanding basketball, too. Yeah.
1: Yeah, not understanding basketball. And let's talk about the Sacramento Kings. Not now, but the Sacramento Kings, when they had, I think he was one of the owners. When they had DeMarcus Cousins. When he had DeMarcus Cousins, and it was—I forgot what the owner's name was during the time—but he had no understanding of basketball, yes, whatsoever. Yes, I remember reading something that he wanted to play four on five so that somebody will always be under the hoop so they could cherry pick and get easy buckets. How does that work? Not the NBA level. That doesn't. <laughs> it might work for <laughs> the ball not the NBA in high level. school. <laughs> Maybe, maybe, (laughs) possibly, but no. No, when that team was around, that was a terrible culture, and you could see it in the players' faces that they just honestly did not want to be there. Yeah, They didn't want to be there. They weren't having fun playing basketball. You know what I mean? There's not no big celebrations, and you got Boogie who dropped in like 30, 40 points, and it it should be your guy. That should have been their guy. He should have had a long career in Sacramento. That should have been their guy. But talking about back to my previous point, the first point I made when we first opened the show was – It starts in the front office and understanding what you have personnel wise. Nobody understood what they had with Boogie. I mean, yeah, with Boogie, nobody Mm -hmm. understood that with DeMarcus Cousins. Nobody understood what they had with DeMarcus Cousins and were unable to build a contender around him. They didn't understand. Some people didn't understand basketball. They didn't understand him. So they were willing to trade everything away, move him around to different places to try to rebuild a team that could have been that could have been in the best position going forward had somebody just had just a little bit of an understanding of of, of how to build oh, a winning team. Goodness. I can't wait to talk
0: about that's such a good point. Let me know when you're ready. Go ahead. Okay, I I you you definitely walked into a great point that I've been holding on to. This is such a great example. So, Boogie Cousins gets drafted by the Kings, no real understandable culture, no NBA front office that really understands how to do winning. When we think about Boogie, the notation and the viewpoint is, man, that guy was so good, but he was such a, you know, asshole to the refs, right? Like all his extracurricular stuff, you couldn't trust Boogie. He was always fighting refs. He was always complaining. He was always shit-talking, right? And yeah. part of that reason was not a good culture. But you know yeah. who else is that exact same prototype that has great talent? Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler's mm. the exact same type of player who was hated just as much as when he was with Minnesota and took that second team to go beat Cat. Everybody hated him then. Oh, he's a locker room cancer. Oh, you can't build winning basketball with him. Okay, and then he goes to Miami, and suddenly, man, he's just so passionate about basketball. Maybe mm-hmm. Boogie Cousins was just passionate about basketball. You really cared about winning. You think about your yeah. your Boogie Cousins. Put yourself in Boogie Cousins' shoes for a single second here. You think that guy lost in high school? Probably never. You think that guy lost in Kentucky yeah. very much when he was playing with John Wall? They didn't lose many games, right? So no. that guy's always been a winner. That Nobody that averages 28 in the, a game and plays like he did doesn't love basketball. But a terrible front right. office and a terrible organization... Wasn't able to funnel that love for basketball into a leadership type of role that Jimmy Butler is funneled into as a Heat player because what is Jimmy viewed as now? Man, he's such a great example because his mm-hmm. energy is infectious on everybody. We love the way he plays, we love his edge, right? If Jim, if Demarcus Cousins would have got drafted there, dude. Boogie would be viewed as a completely different way. I'm so glad you brought this up because I was trying to figure out a way to think about this point. I'm so glad you brought it up. So that's something I wanted to point out real quick.
1: Oh, for sure. And think about another player like that, right? Who was in a situation and ended up leaving and then became a champion. Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett is known as the biggest Yeah. I mean, how do you, what's the word for it? I mean, God, most emotional player, yeah. heart heart for days, most emotional player, like ugh, like all the time. Yes. Really angry on the court. He wears his heart on his sleeve. Kevin Garnett yes. is known as that player. He was an MVP yes. in Minnesota. Yes. An MVP in Minnesota. But the culture wasn't right. Why yeah. do I think the culture's not right? you like, yeah, they won games. They have this. They have this accolade. Big whoop. They won't retire his jersey. He will not allow them to do that. That yeah, means that that's something's right. not right there.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: they can't retire his jersey.
0: <laughs> that's just crazy. This is why Minnesota, bro. They're they're in the streets for how bad they are. She the Minnesota belongs but... to the streets.
1: <gasps> yes. <laughs> yes. And think about this for a second. Then he leaves. Yes. Right. Joins the Boston Celtics. Paul Pierce. Yep. Rondo. KG, yep. Ray Allen, Tony Allen, yes, Big Baby Davis, Doc Rivers as a coach. Yeah. And all the old Celtics legends, where they at? In the front office. Yeah. They've already been to the mountaintop. They've already seen the championship. Yeah. They know what it takes to get there and they're still there floating around the front office giving advice. Yeah. Talking to the players. Just like this like that was something that KG said he said it on the podcast he said I like being around the young guys he said that's important for us to be around the young guys because they was around for us when we came in yeah to show them that hey listen I support you I'm here for you we know what it takes to win I'm here to help you to get there because when you win we win yeah that's important that's to have that kind of family culture. In the game, think about how Udantas Aslam is still able to play on the is still able to play in Miami. He's like forty something years old. Yeah. He ain't got no business on the basketball court anymore, but he's going to slowly fade off into the bench, which he has, and fade off into the front office. Yeah,
0: yeah. They just like to all of the out. old,
1: just like the old basketball teams. That's what normally happened. Yeah, think about it for a second. That's what normally happened. Det- Detroit. Isaiah Thomas got older, slowly f- f- faded off into the bench, and fade into a head coach head coach position. Yeah, in Detroit. Think yeah. about that for a second. Yeah. That's how it's normally done. That's that's culture was so much more important then to the to everybody in the league than it is now. I feel like people have forgotten that cultures is a very important very important piece of a win of building a winning team. To having a good culture and looking like it, like teams that are having fun will win championships in the long run, sure. <laughs> versus teams that are not that are that look like oh man I gotta go to work today I, we about to lose I'm used to being a winner I won in, in high school I won in in, in NCAA yeah you know what I, mean? I was a winner then and now I'm on a terrible team and we not winning nothing teams that look like they're having fun on the court will eventually hit that point where they like we can be winners going forward. Because the culture has been established that we just need a piece. We just need a piece here. We almost there. We getting closer and closer and closer. But that doesn't happen overnight. That takes time. Yeah. Golden State wasn't always a championship contender. True. True. They weren't. Cleveland wasn't always a playoff team. <laughs> Till the
0: goat walked in. <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: You I mean, know what I, I'm saying? Like these. Yeah. Te- Go ahead.
0: I, I definitely think oh, no, I'm, that I'm this finished. conversation... Wait, go, go ahead. You're not finished? I said I'm finished. Oh, okay. I feel like this conversation is a great way to, like, segue into, like... LeBron is so amazing because he understood this day one. Right? <laughs> like, day one, LeBron James understood that I have to be a good passer and understood, like, the intangible leadership things and the mental things so well from day one is that part of his greatness he's he's so much like magic you know what i mean in that sense where mm. it's just like yeah i i truly believe that guys that play point guard at even at the high school level genuinely do grow more leadership skills and are better glue guys than uh than phenomenal scores. It's yeah, it's like it's just a different mindset, you know what I mean.
1: Yeah. Uh, without a doubt. Those those like some PGs <clears throat> and I would say this is having the proper point guard is so big. It's so big. Yeah. Because you have to that's I think that this is a perfect way to like segue somewhere else's pool, right? So there has been some news, right? That, well, two pieces huh, uh, of news. I know I, I, we already discussed this, yeah. <laughs> the Suns, right, who have Bradley Bill, who just signed Bowl, Bowl <laughs> have decided that Bradley Bill, <gasps> a shooting guard, yeah. small forward, yeah. will play point guard on that team. With Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. My question to the Suns is, did we not see what happened to Brooklyn? Yep. Did we not? Did we not understand what happened to Brooklyn? When KD, James Harden, and Kyrie, you know what I mean? And they played the Boston Celtics. And KD can't pass to save his life. Yep. Did we not notice what happened then? If you didn't, I'm going to tell you. Here we go. (laughs) Dear Phoenix Suns, you cannot just be like, we have all the scoring. We don't need nobody to pass the ball. We're going to look around the league. Nobody has this type of lineup. Bradley Bill is not a passer, but that's not that's fine. I mean, just making a couple of passes here and there, and then we just pass to, score, pass to score, pass to score, pass to score, pass to score. That's not gonna work. Look at the Clippers. There we go. Before exactly they got before they got Rondo, before they got Russell. Yep. Look at <laughs> look at. Wait, I'm sorry. Yeah, I gotta go back. Look at the Clippers before they got Rondo, before they got Russell Westbrook. You know what I mean? When Kawhi Leonard had to make decisions that he's not normal normally used to making. When Paul George had to make decisions that he's not used to making, that they're not they don't think in terms of of passing the ball. That main point here, I made it earlier. Scorers see have a very narrow vision. They okay. see the hoop and the hoop only. <laughs> yes. Point guards see the floor. Their job is to get everybody involved and to elevate. That's why you have great point guards like CP3, great mm-hmm. point guards like LeBron. Great point guards like Russ, they elevate and they get people involved and they get everybody working on the right level, right? Yeah. When you have guards who aren't point guards, shooting guard small forward, Bradley Bill, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, people like that without the guard in place, now you're forcing people who have the narrow vision to see wider. And it doesn't work that way. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. You can't force Bradley Beal, who has been trained his entire life, to see one to see the floor one way. Yep. To be like, okay, now I can see everything. Now all of a sudden I understand the defenses, how to how to, how to manipulate the defenses. Now all of a sudden my brain has been rewired to being able to, okay, look, Booker's over there in the corner. He got two on him. KD's right here. He's going to cut across. I'm going to make the perfect pass at the right moment. He's going to get an easy layup. You can't expect somebody to be able to see that if they've never had to see it that way their entire career that do- it doesn't happen overnight that stuff isn't that's not something that you could just that, that's something that is that has been cultivated over years cp3 didn't just wake up one day like oh i'm the best point guard in the nba i'm the best point guard ever i'm a true point guard in a modern nba and we have never seen a true point and we haven't seen a true point guard since the 80s and the 90s and i'm that guy he didn't just wake up one day and be like, yeah, this is this is, this is this is exactly how I see everything. No, it had to be cultivated. He had to be he had to learn how to see that way, how to manipulate those defenses, how to play chess and not checkers. That's not something that you can teach. I mean, that's not, I'm not saying that's not something you can teach. That's not something that can be, that can just, okay, I'm going to wake up one day and just be able to do exactly what all these great point guards. It's like a disrespect to the point guard position. Cool. That's, that's how I see it. I think I see it as a disrespect to the point guard position, everybody who Kev, who has held that position prior Any on any team. That's a, it's very disrespectful to believe that you can just put anybody in that position and it'll just work. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, man. I I definitely think that this is something that has been really lost a little bit. Is I do think that the... NBA fans don't understand how important it is to have passing on their team. I think that because of that, it's just a little delusional. It's not 2K where you're making all the decisions. You need passing, good enough passing to win an NBA championship because passing is going to get you easy buckets. It's going to get you those easy mm-hmm. shots at the rim. It's going to get you those good back cuts to the rim. It's going to get you those... Ab- when you're running a pin down screen you got those three points you're just coming off the ball all those think about how many times you've seen that action you need a good passer to get that ball to the right spot you need a passer and a guy who thinks about distributing to be like okay this guy hasn't gotten a touch in a minute i need to give him the ball right and passing is allows you to get easy points and it also keeps the defense on their toes Because if you don't have Mm -hmm. great passing, the defense can just play you really, really close. Because they're not worried about, okay, if this guy beats me by a little bit on a backdoor cut. I don't care. Kawhi Leonard's passing the ball. I don't care. KD has the ball in his hands. He's not making that pass. Right? Right. It allows the defenses to not feel as anxious of like, oh, this other aspect of the game could really hurt me. So I got to always be on my toes. No, they just focus on trying to stop you from scoring. Right? And. Mm -hmm. It is needed, especially at the NBA level, because you're not going against your local YMCA team. You're not going against your local high school basketball team. Think about how freaky these six foot seven, six foot eight, seven two wingspan having guys that every NBA NBA team has a poop ton of. Okay. And that's because of passing and three-point shooting. And the three-point line is so important today. And you need great passing to get these guys at the right positions to be able to get those shot-offs to beat NBA defenses. What I mean by that is Mm -hmm. the pass has got to be in their shooting pocket. A lot of people's shooting pocket is just above their right or left hit. It depends on the shooting hand. And if it's a little bit up, you got to completely reset and bring the ball down And get the shot up. If it's a little bit back right, then you got to completely reset and get your shot up. Everybody is a shooter. You always taught to always be in a shooting stance off ball, right? Always taught to have Mm -hmm. your knees bent, be ready, be lined up to the rim, ready. As soon as you're ready to catch a shoot, you got to shoot extremely quick, right? Everything's got to be fluid. But that pass can interrupt that movement and make them completely reset. Now they got to catch the ball. Now they got to reset and get their shotting pocket, and then they got to get the shot up. Right. And that fraction of a second where that happens, that six foot eight freak has an extra step to close out. Right. And now that shot Mm -hmm. is way harder. And the reality of the NBA is 80 percent of people on your in the NBA are role players. And most of them, all they do is stand in the corner, they shoot. Right. And they don't have to get a good shot off Then the ball is going to rotate. And then we just lost a a positive possession because we got to go set something up again right like it matters mm-hmm. and on top of that bad passers lead to high turnovers and i understand turnovers aren't as you know um as important as they used to be where people are like oh we to only have five to six turnovers of a game but they still matter right you the more po- yeah. times you have the ball than your opponent is going to lead to you winning more right and it's, it's really important to have good enough passing to not be a really high turnover team. And that's what the Suns are going to run into. This is going to be a great year for a lesson for NBA fans to learn that scoring is not all you need to get a ring. Because the Suns team, I'm going to call it now, unless something changes, that team's not getting past the, not getting to the Western Conference Finals with all that talent. Like, talent might be able to get to the second round. But it's not going to get him over the hump. And I just... You know, these these teams are going to learn. This These basketball fans are going to learn. This is going to be a great lesson year. Right? And, it, and you should have, as a basketball fan, been able to get that from the Clippers team. Right? Like, maybe Kawhi and PG have never really been healthy. But they were healthy in the playoffs. Their last year together. Their first year together. And Luka Doncic, by himself... Push them to six in the bubble, <laughs> right? And in the second round, yeah. they got o- upset by the Nuggets when they came back. Right? You remember that crazy 3-1 mm-hmm. comeback or something like that? And they got they bounced yeah. and got bounced in the second round. Well, that team didn't have enough passing, and they were forced Kawhi and Paul George into being passers, and everything was much more difficult. And on top of everything else, when you're in the playoffs, and these coaches get so long to scout you and figure out what you do well and what you don't do well, it makes it even tougher. So, uh, it's it's tough, man. I I agree with you. I'm so glad you brought this up.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely gonna be tougher. Is just because there's not gonna be <clears throat> anybody who can? I mean, who? I mean, any smart coach will be able to be like, okay, listen, I don't have to worry about this. Yeah, they're gonna drop like 120 points, but how many turnovers can we get yeah. them to to, to give me force in order to win this game by 121? Yeah. That's literally all it is. That's literally what it becomes. Because yeah, they all can drop thirty, but how many f- turnovers can we force? Because we don't have, because they don't have great passing yeah. available at at their disposal, that we can win the game by one hundred twenty
0: two. I got a great proof of concept team of this. You ready for this? Go ahead. Yep. Okay. Do you remember in the two thousand seven two thousand eight season, there's a team that has proven mm-hmm. concept of this? Thought topic. The Denver Nuggets, the Denver Nuggets. traded for Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson was still dropping 25-26 a game, and Carmelo Uh Anthony was on that team, and they had J.R. Smith, and they had Nene, and they had some guys that led them to a 50-win team. They even had Marcus Camby, right? A pretty solid Uh team on paper, a pretty solid team on 2K, but not... Oh, they also had Kenyon Martin, who was still a really good player. That's a good roster, K. K. Martin, yeah. but you did. they yeah. didn't have enough passing, and they got bounced in the first round. Bounced in the first round with Allen Iverson still dropping 26 a game, and Melo dropping about 28 per game. Make that make sense in that era. Oh, I can make that make sense for you. They didn't have enough passing needed. They still had J.R. Smith. They still had Marcus Canby, who could defend. Marcus Canby won a DPOY, right? And they yeah. still had... Um, Kenyon Martin, who is a really solid power forward. Like he played with the New Jersey Nets with those teams. Like he's a really solid role player as a starter. So that's a great example of great scoring is n- not enough, right? It's just not.
1: No, it's not. And that's one thing that, I think that they're gonna lean more into in the season. And I just don't like and like I said it, you know, on previous episodes where I was like, I just don't like the super team i don't but this is what like i've been the more i look at you know the moves they're making and if they don't get a point guard then i am gonna sit back and just really say like hey it doesn't matter that they're a super team because they're not going to be great yeah. it's not doesn't matter it's not like they put together the miami heat it's not like they get put together to go to state warriors yeah. like it's it's it, it, on paper yeah you may get 40 40 40 40 but you're gonna lose that game still so yeah. it's like you don't know what's extra hilarious about it
0: one. The best passer out of those three is Devin fuck, Booker. <laughs> well, like that's <laughs> right. just Frank Vogel. That's showing you, look, we keep on talking about Frank Vogel doesn't understand offense. He wasn't able to get, you know, Kyle Kuzma was average at ten a game with the Lakers, and then he goes average at eighteen the Wizards. He doesn't understand how to evaluate and un- get the best out of offensive basketball because Devin Booker, he's an above average two guard passer. He's a below average point guard passer. But dear goodness, Devin Booker is the best passer on that team out of those three. Yeah. If you're going to make one of those two guards the point guard, what in the world? Like, Bradley Beal? Bro, Bradley Beal is a below-average two-guard passer, and he might be the worst passing starting point guard in the NBA. They won. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. <laughs> That's yeah. crazy.
0: It's just so funny. It's just
1: so funny. And I know like I'm not gonna consider myself an expert. I'm gonna say like I'm a fan of the game We're and I watch experts, the game. Chris. And I Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just
0: being humble. We watch too much ball. We watch way too much ball will w- not call us experts.
1: Okay. Yeah. So it's just crazy how there's people out there who are being paid, right? Yes. And who just don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> They're getting paid too much money to yes. make a decision like this. Yes. That just <laughs> doesn't make sense oh. so i mean i just really want to hear it right i mean when this episode comes out listen i'm hoping we'll be able to edit some some content and you know so that you can so i can hear the comments because this is the question i post to you out there do you agree do you <laughs> think this works i just want to know like does the does the casual fan think this works i bet <laughs> like, you they do does they? <laughs> yeah. Does a casual fan think this works? I don't think so. I feel that the the level of basketball knowledge has increased because it's more readily available. People are able to watch more and to dissect more. In a sense, I feel like there are some people out there who might just be like, "Listen, that makes zero fucking sense." and I just want to hear from those people. And I also want to hear from everybody else. Like, seriously, do you mm-hmm. believe, like, in, in your heart, do you still believe that this is, a, this is a good team going forward with Bradley Bill at the point guard who can't pass to save his life? No,
0: no. No, nope, not at all.
1: I don't. I don't. Okay. I really, really don't. I really, really don't.
0: No. Yeah. I couldn't agree yeah. with you more. Yeah.
1: So I have a question for you, Jay. Okay. We didn't talk about Summer League, right? We're not going to. Nope. That's not the picture. So I will talk Miami, right? Because Miami is still up in the air on whether they're going to get Dame or not, right? So I'll talk Miami and Portland. This is just off topic. We finished the topic. This is just something totally different. Okay. Portland is willing, you know, really willing to stand pat on trading Dame. That has been seen. They say they don't care if it takes months to get something done
0: yeah
1: and so he's gonna sit on the bench he's not gonna play he'll eventually be traded for who knows what into where right he wants to go to miami but who knows where he's gonna end up going right because the best package available is gonna get Dame at this point he has no he doesn't have the trade clause he has no control over his destiny so wherever the trade wherever whoever gives the best package that seems the most enticing to portland will get dame yeah on a lease, but they'll get Dame. It's crazy because, like, based off of what we've seen a few months ago in the playoffs, right? Because mm-hmm. I can't even say last year. A few months ago in the playoffs, Dame on that team, are they, they're already a championship contender. Do they win the chip? Or, is it, or does it depend on who they play in the East? I mean, on they, who they play in the West.
0: So I'm gonna assume that they have um no Tyler Hero, no Duncan Robinson. Yeah, they're gone. Okay, so I'm gonna assume that. Okay, so um, first things first, basketball X and O X's and O's wise, it's a perfect fit because Dame does most of his damage from the deep three point line. Jimmy Butler is a mid range specialist. Bam's a great passer and would be a phenomenal pick and roll guy with uh, Dame because you could do some Draymond Green like stuff with Steph with the dribble handoffs and the repo and the re screening and like all the way. Draymond Green's a phenomenal screener and he has phenomenal chemistry with Steph to get him three point shots off. And um, Mm -hmm. so I feel like Bam and Dame would have potential to be have phenomenal chemistry together. In that standpoint, because Bam moves so well and he's so highly intelligent and really understands the game of basketball. And, you know, Dame isn't a great defender, but dear goodness, you got plenty of them. It's the Miami Heat, right? Right. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's the Miami yeah. Heat. Everybody, they everybody got, defends. They got plenty of shooting. That Miami Heat team, especially that, that, let me think, let me think. If that is the team they're moving into. Next season, they're gonna be the number one team on my power rankings for me personally. This it's too perfect of a fit. They're all veterans. He understands how to be a winner. He also has played with CJ McCollum before, so it's not like man, he's just so ball dominant, he doesn't know how to play with somebody else, right? Like he's played with somebody that needed the ball to score. So and Jimmy Butler's passing and defense, like Dude, they desperately needed that extra scoring boost, and Dame would be like that on super, like, drugged-out super boost. That would be, like, ridiculous to watch. And, yeah, the Miami Heat would be... I would predict them to win the NBA Finals. It's too perfect of a fit. It would be amazing. Basketball, with Spolstra coaching, too. You have to think about the coaching events, mm-hmm. you know how smart he is. Yeah. They would be my ring favorite.
1: So they'll be the number one team in the in, in the league, period, in your opinion.
0: In my opinion, yeah. Barring injury.
1: Barring injury. Yep. Um, I feel like Dane will be a great fit, but I don't think they will be the number one team in the league. Okay. I only say this because the number one team in the league next year will be the Denver Nuggets.
0: I think they could beat them though. Nuggets
1: will be the number one. I, I feel like one. they match up. I feel like they match up too well. I feel like they match up too well. Everywhere they have a book, they have somebody. The Never Nuggets have somebody. Every play, like literally they're, they're the exact same team.
0: Murray Dame, but it would be Murray Jokic. It would be Dame. Don't forget Bam though. You know Dame.
1: I th- yeah Jimmy.
0: Jokic Bam yeah. <laughs> you,
1: you know what I'm saying? Like where they match up. Is like they match up so even like not I won't even say evenly. Jokic will be better than Bam, right? It's depend on how you view Murray versus Dame. Okay, boom, whatever. And then you have Jimmy throw Aaron Gordon out there. Let's say that if that's the case, it's pretty much. We're comparing those two. Is <laughs> sure, sure. Let's compare those two because I
0: don't
1: or okay, MPJ and and Jimmy. Okay, okay fine. Let's do that then. Let's do that. Yeah. I don't, you know what I mean? It's pretty much evenly matched, in okay. my opinion. Like, so I would, I, I'm, I just give, I just edge the, the Denver Nuggets.
0: Okay. I wouldn't be surprised Dude, if we thing. saw a back to back thing, though, Would they both make it to the ring.
1: Yeah, I can see that happening. That's yeah. why I would edge the Denver Nuggets, though. Yeah. I would definitely edge the Denver Nuggets because they I got Jokic. Disagree. Jokic is the best player in the okay, NBA.
0: You, okay. Of course. We, That's fine. We can disagree. But I definitely think yeah. that. You know, with Boston still keeping Joe Missoula, which we clearly saw get out coached. And, yeah. you know, him just being a younger guy, not having a ton of experience yet. I don't view him next year being able to lead the Boston Celtics to be a championship team. I don't think the Boston Celtics can be viewed like that until they show me Joe Missoula showing me improvement. And the Bucks. They lost Mike Budenholzer, who is making that whole system work. Yeah. And their supporting stars are old, getting older. So I think it, they will very easily make it out of the East if those teams go downhill just a smidge like I'm expecting. Uh, and I do think that, you know what I mean? It's Miami, man. Spolster is amazing. And something that you brought up is you thought that Jimmy Butler was showing in the playoffs that he couldn't hit those high moments all the time, right? Yeah. You thought that he was kind of capped scoring-wise like 25 a game officially in the NBA Finals. Well, well now he has Dane, right? That man could drop mm-hmm. 30 on anyone. And any, no, no. That man could drive 50 on anybody, any moment, anytime, time, right? And That's we true. don't have to worry about, man, how does Dane play in the playoffs? That dude was clutch as hell, right? So... Yeah, very true. I... I... I I think that would be the best team in the league. I really do. It would be their ring to lose, in my opinion. Could Jimmy Butler is a secondary a highly efficient twenty five? Dear God, dear God, holy yeah. shit! That would
1: yeah be. yeah yeah. Oh. yeah. If he's a, if he's a secondary highly efficient twenty five, I could see it. But I think that one thing, and the reason why I like, am big on LeBron. Is because LeBron can do it for extended periods, and yeah. I just noticed that Jimmy just ran out of gas. You know what I mean? Like the the Boston Celtics series of this year, right? Yeah. The one before they went, to, you know, for the Eastern Conference Finals, he was playing great. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Jimmy's there, and then you know, then you know, Caleb Martin um, kind of, you know, was like, hey, look, you know, we're gonna win this game. We're not gonna leave out of here. Stepped up big we time. We gonna we gonna finish it off. Stepped it up. And then Jimmy just kind of ran out of gas like, for the finals, and he was just nowhere to be found. Yeah. I mean, honestly, in my opinion, he disappeared. If he would have showed up, they could have won because yeah. the everything was lining up perfectly for them to win. Yeah. It wasn't a high-scoring game. They, it, I think they did 108. They lost by one to two points majority of the times they played. Yeah. What it was one hundred eight to like one hundred seven or one eleven to like one hundred nine, like it's it was very close games, but I just feel like what what I want to see out of Jimmy last year I didn't, and you're absolutely right. Dame fills that void for them, so I think they are better. But I would also give it to Denver because I just think that Denver is just that just edges them just a little bit.
0: Yeah, I can respect you giving respect to the champion. You know what I mean.
1: Yeah, I yeah. think they edge them just a little bit. They've been there; they know what it takes True. to get there again, and they haven't lost much. You yeah. know what I mean? In order to you know going into the season, still have the same coaching, still believing Jokic. I mean, I think Jokic is the best player in the NBA now.
0: So, I still think it's Giannis, but you know, it's not a crazy statement to say because Jokic is phenomenal.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I, I I would I think Jokic is the best player in the NBA now. Okay, and yeah, I I, I would edge it to the Nuggets. yeah. If they were to play again, I would say Nuggets in six. Or Nuggets in five. Nuggets in
0: five. They would be so tough for teams in the East. Because think about the best two teams last year, other than the Celtics, run drop coverage, right? So, like, Milwaukee trying Mm. to guard Dame and drop coverage. Uh, how? And then you got 76ers, Joel Embiid, and drop coverage. How? (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, uh, Oh, man. See, because those books, and the books in the 76ers have been really lucky that there hasn't been a Steph or a Dame in the East, because they would give them so many matchup issues for the past decade, and now if Dame yeah. ends up there, dude, that's that's rough, going drop coverage against that man, that's just, you, you can't do it. You, even if Drew Holiday's guarding Dame, you can't run drop coverage against him, because it's just he's going to get a screener he's going to get an open look and we're going to s- score 40 tonight him by himself <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> like i love Drew Holiday but not even he stopping him as drop coverage like it's impossible
1: awesome. yeah yeah yeah. Name D- will be definitely will be like the league mvp in the east <laughs> <for real>. <laughs> <laughs> so uh-oh. he would eat, eat defenses alive yes. but um Great. yeah okay was there anything else you wanted to hit on before we close on out?
0: Nope. This, that's it. I got nothing else.
1: Alrighty. Well, just want to say thank you guys for listening. Yeah. You know, We definitely appreciate you guys, you know what I mean, tuning in every week. Yeah. And, you know, giving some feedback, giving, some, you know, and then, you know, listening and enjoying our content. We definitely appreciate that. Yep. Um you know hopefully you enjoyed this episode like you did the others and you know definitely i definitely want to hear from you guys like i really want to know like your thoughts on the bradley bill you know point guard situation because (laughs) me personally i don't think that's gonna work but you know hey look who knows who knows
0: who knows who knows knows? so all right you want to say anything to the listeners for me nope we just dropped all the basketball knowledge we can I am ready to yeah. go <laughs> thank you for listening Alrighty. <laughs> all right so i'm chris mom i'm jason collins and we are the basketball it's peace